Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And we are here for week three of our Judges series. But before we get to that, one fun housekeeping matter. Okay. We have released a very limited edition holiday reading bundle. So I'm going to tell you what that is. It includes our Advent 2023 book and our Give Thanks book. So if you go to shopshereadstruth.com, you can get both of those very special books in this limited edition holiday reading bundle. And guess what? I also have a code for you. That's right. It is bundle 25, and that gives you 25% off of that bundle. And the bundle is already discounted. So just go to shopshereadstruth.com, look for the holiday bundle, use the code bundle25. That is only good through the 31st, which is tomorrow. So you're going to want to hurry. And it's not a podcast exclusive offer, Rachel, so they can share it with their friends. Yes, absolutely. And other people are hearing about it. So hurry and go get that before those books are gone. Go grab it. Okay. Our guest for this week's episode is Elise Fitzpatrick. Elise is a very prolific Bible study writer, author. She has dozens of books. She's a speaker, podcaster, all sorts of things. And just such a, like, I don't know, like a no-nonsense person to read scripture with. Like, I feel like there's no putting on airs with Elise. She is, what you see is what you get. And what you get is just this really gracious human who loves God, loves His Word, and loves to encourage others to read their Bibles and know the Lord. And that's what we're here for. So without further ado, let's get right to this episode with Elise Fitzpatrick. Well, Elise, I'm so happy to have you on the She Reads Truth podcast. It has occurred to us that this is actually your first time, your first guest appearance on the She Reads Truth podcast. So welcome. Well, thank you. Um, Let's talk about judges. (laughs) We've been saving uh, inviting you until this very moment. That's right. Well, I'm really glad to be with you and to be part of what you're doing at She Reads Truth. I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. And likewise, you're someone that we have looked up to for probably as many years as we've been involved in this ministry and then probably beyond that. So anyway, looking forward to opening some harder chapters in Scripture. And I think that, I mean, baseline, if the one thing we do today is dare to open hard chapters of Scripture and insist that we know what they say, Um, it's important as believers that we know what Scripture says. Mm -hmm. And I believe that when we open hard chapters and know what they say, we won't be able to help but find the goodness of the Lord, even in these hard chapters. And so that's what we're here to do in this hour, and I know that that's what you're here to do. And so here we are in the book of Judges in week three, in chapter 12. I think Elise has a little bit of practice digging into difficult parts of Scripture. (laughs) Am I right there? Well, yeah. I mean, unless you're going to cherry pick like sweet little passages, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of brokenness that you see in Scripture. I mean, so much brokenness. Judges is particularly dark. But there are, you know, even up to and including the crucifixion of our Savior, there are very, very dark places in Scripture. And we've got to think they help us to say, okay, my life is not so far out of sync with what people of faith have experienced all through 
the history of people interacting with the Lord and with faith. We're all broken, and the Bible is very, very open and transparent about that. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Like Even as I was reading the chapters of Judges this week, I certainly had a moment or two of just, I'm grateful this is here. I'm grateful this is here to see that the brokenness isn't just now, (laughs) that the brokenness has always been, and the need for Jesus— then was just as true, just as, we'll say, dire. As it is now, we have the hope of the resurrection already and the return of Christ here in, as New Testament believers. But I'm grateful this is here, to know that we're not alone in the darkness that we even see and experience yeah. today. Yeah. yeah. And to see the way that the Lord responds to sin. Yeah. You know, that it's not yeah. the way that He responds to sin and injustice and we see the character of God yeah, throughout Judges right. and what He will not stand for. Yes, yes. And we see His immense grace and patience mm-hmm. and then His sovereignty as He uses such immensely broken people to accomplish His will. Yeah. It's yeah. just astonishing. You think, mm-hmm. okay, no, that guy shouldn't be listed in the heroes of faith, not him. But yeah, right? there yeah. they are. It's like, wait a minute. Yep. There's a lot of like, oh my word, throw him out. And then I realize, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, me too. Throw me also <laughs> out. <laughs> right, right. And you know, the reality is, and I don't know if we're getting ahead of ourselves, but the reality is that we have way more light than they did. You know, we've got scripture, which I know is what you guys want to encourage women to be part of. We, we, all of us have access to the Bible, which Mm -hmm. even a hundred years ago or 150 years ago, people generally didn't have 42 Bibles on their shelves. And 200 years ago, they didn't at all. So when we talk about reading truth, you know, we have so much more light, and yet we're still broken, right? We still have to rely on the grace and patience of God and know that Mm -hmm. He will accomplish His purposes, but we have so much light. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was talking with Amanda this morning before we got online today, and she I think, Amanda, you reminded me because I was feeling the darkness. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. Amanda, you reminded me, you were like, that's the title of our book. Like the subtitle of this mm. judges study is the tragedy of forgetting God. And like mm-hmm. somehow I still feel surprised in how tragic all of this is. We're really selling this, aren't we? Well, <laughs> I just, you know, I it's here. It's here in the Bible. Yeah. And we are coming as readers of the Bible in the year of our Lord, 2023, mm-hmm. you know, and we're Western Christians, born and raised. And so we're coming to this and... I don't think it's far-fetched to think that if we didn't have this conversation, that if people didn't know what they were opening their Bibles to, that they would be like, wait, am I in the right book? Yeah. (laughs) And like slam it shut. And so I do think it is important. Context, we know, is always important when we're reading and Mm -hmm. seeking to understand Scripture. And just to know that like 
this isn't just dark stories for the sake of dark stories. Right. Like this is, yeah. is mm-hmm. Israel is all of us. Yeah. yeah. And this is the human condition after yeah. the fall mm-hmm. is that our disobedience That's and good. our not even walking away from the Lord, like actively rebelling against yeah. the Lord's authority, yep. it just snowballs. And that's what we see in Judges. It really does. And Judges, I mean, if you were going to write the some of the stories that are in the book of Judges as like a fiction novel, a lot of mm-hmm. Christians wouldn't even have it in their home, right? Because oh, 100%. It, it would be banned. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> it would banned be a banned book, book because it's yeah. so gritty and mm-hmm. there are so many stories in it. You know, a couple of them are really beautiful. Deborah, for instance. But generally speaking, right. the stories are so raw. But, you know, I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful because my life, my life is not pretty. I wish it were. Right. My life doesn't look like, I mean, (laughs) I've been walking with Christ for 52 years. And I wish my life Mm. was tidy. It's not. Mm. And I still struggle. And what Judges tells me is that even in the midst of my struggle, yes, it tells me I should obey. Yes, it tells me there's consequences to disobedience. But it also tells me, and I think that's what this story, particularly the story about Samson, what it tells me is God takes all of my folly and sin, which has consequences, and I shouldn't Mm -hmm. run toward, but God takes that and uses it for his good purpose. And I say, what? Yes. Amen. But he's that big and he's that good. Yes. I think it's such a good reminder because that doesn't make sense to us. That's not mm. how humans work, right? And, <laughs> no. And to remember that this is a story of a God who is so not like us. Because what when we're reading stories, like if this were a fiction book, we would be looking for the heroes, right? Like right. we would be looking for the heroes. Like where's and, our protagonist? Right. And the thing is, is every one of these people who is in a position to be heroic mm-hmm. just miserably fails. And even the things that they do that that are I don't even positive. Sure. Ish. Are often really like (laughs) gritty, like you said, and gross. And like, I don't want to read that. And so I just kept thinking toward the end of this book, especially, that if you were trying to point me to Jesus, you are not by what is on the page, but by what is so desperately missing Mm. (laughs) from the actions of these people in power. Yeah. We should look at these stories all the Old Testament, we should look at these narratives and ask two questions, perhaps. Question number one is, what is it in this story that proves to me that I need a good king, Jesus? And what is it, what is it in this story that shows me what he's like? And if you ask those kinds of questions, like look for Jesus Mm -hmm. in these stories, you'll see him. You'll see analogs to, you know, okay, here is someone who's doing this thing for a wrong reason, but it's a good thing. And I mean, you'll see him everywhere. And then, of course, the book of Judges just tells us over and over again, there's no good king in the land, so people are running riot. Mm -hmm. So we all need a good king. The good king is Jesus. He's the only one 
that does what we need, which is mm-hmm. to rule in righteousness, to love and forgive us. That's the mm-hmm. king we need. Amen. Yeah. So that cycle that we've been seeing in Judges where the people are rebelling and they reap the consequences of that rebellion, they're oppressed, they cry for help, whether or not that is with repentance, you know, sometimes not. They cry for help, and then the Lord raises up a judge to rescue them, and the judge leads them, for better or worse, and then there's peace in the land. And what we see as we keep reading and as we start this week's reading is that the peace doesn't come anymore. Like starting with Jephthah, there's the peace where it's like, in the land had rest, and the land had peace for X number of years. We don't see that again. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting that bad. Yeah, it devolves. So we will start reading this week, and y'all listening, we're here just to talk about what's happening this week, but our encouragement to you is that this just be your kickoff for reading every day Mm -hmm. this week. So of course, if you're listening to this on the day it releases, it's a Monday, you'll read day 15, and you'll read about some some of the judges kind of with shorter spans of ruling, I guess would be the verb, is ban Elon, Abdon. But when we get to Tuesday, when we get to day 16, is really when we start talking about Samson. We start mm-hmm. talking about the birth of Samson, the Nazarite vow, even like the angelic visitor that announces his birth as a surprise, which got me like thinking about all the other angelic visitors right. announcing births in scripture. Yeah. So that's where we begin. Elise, what are you thinking as you're reading Judges 13? So as I'm reading Judges 13, I was struck by that very thing. It's amazing to me how many times the angel of the Lord comes to childless women. In that culture, a woman really had no worth aside from her ability to produce sons. That was her Mm -hmm. worth. And that's why the Old Testament talks about how women look. This woman was beautiful. This woman was not. Well, that whole point of that is because they're talked about how pretty they are, if you will, because then that makes it so that they get married, so that they have sons. And the whole point of a woman's life in the Old Covenant was to have sons. So when you read about Mrs. Manoah, I don't even know that it says her name, Samson's mm-hmm. mom, does. when you read about her, the first thing we hear about her is that she was unable yeah. to conceive. See, mm-hmm. that's the most important thing about her in that culture. But <laughs> then mm-hmm. you've got the angel of the Lord shows up. And this is... Mm, Okay, this is a really awful story in so many ways, but so many times we see God's love for women who are counted as nothing. Mm. Yes. God visits over and over and over. I mean, Hagar, if you will, the woman at the well, over and over, women who are counted as less than as outcasts, as worthless, God comes to them and visits them. And what's really funny to me, I laughed when I read it, was because (laughs) he, the angel of the Lord comes to Mrs. Manoah and tells her what to do, tells her what's going to happen and what to do. And she tells Manoah, and Manoah doesn't get it. (laughs) 
(laughs) He's a little dense through this whole story. (laughs) Listen to me. The number of times you see that sort of thing, like take the birth of John the Baptist. Am I, I, if I'm going way off topic here, just rein me in. (laughs) No, I was actually thinking that too. So look at the birth of John the Baptist. So angel comes to Zechariah. He doesn't really believe. And so then at the naming of John the Baptist, she says he's going to be called John, and the neighbors all say, yeah, we better ask the dad. (laughs) (laughs) She knows, but they don't believe her. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, we see that here again. And Manoah, you know, bless his heart, he really is kind of dense. You know, he gets all terrified when he realizes that he's actually been talking to God. And she says, look, if he wanted to kill us, he would have already killed us. Just, you'll be fine. (laughs) So, uh, you know, that's just such a beautiful way to start off this really Mm -hmm. sad story. Yeah. Yeah. Very sad story. And I like, I had to like go up to 20,000 feet and look at this and go, here's what is happening. God is still involved when his people are just spiraling, like almost literally. He isn't just going like, well, maybe somebody will rise up. I don't know. (laughs) Come on, guys. Get it together. Or like maybe somebody, maybe I can like capture someone's heart, you know, in their adulthood. Like, no, no, no. He's going, you're going to conceive. Like, I'm going to go to like this, like before the child is even conceived, he's still like that involved in like. Let me send a judge. Here's what's going to be. And we know that he's not helpless in any way, any, any, any way. And he knows all. So we know that God knows everything that's going to happen. However, what I see here is God's continued pursuit of Mm -hmm. Israel, very active and very not passive. And I think that that helped me to, like, see that and realize that. Even when they are actively running from him yes. <laughs> yeah. to other gods. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, we have so—the ship has so sailed on the, like, drive out all of mm-hmm. the Canaanites and don't become part of them. And it's like, no, no, we were talking about this earlier too, Rachel, where it's like, no, no, like, well, we're just not going to annihilate them. Well, we're going to let some of them stay and be slaves. Well, we're going to maybe marry, let our you know, people marry a couple of them. Uh-huh. Right. And then, but then it gets to the point now where it's like, oh, well, we're especially what we'll read next week. You're like, oh, you can't tell God's people from not God's people. Yeah. Like, it's indiscernible at this point. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it is troubling. And, but even so, Samson. <laughs> Before, you know, the Lord, knowing all that Samson will do and not do, still determines to give Miss Manoah mm-hmm. a baby boy. And the purpose for him is made very clear mm-hmm. at the beginning of Judges 13. You must never cut his hair because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth. Mm-hmm. And he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. Mm-hmm. So that is who this baby will be. And God's purposes will prevail in spite of us. And in spite of Samson. This is also where we are introduced to the Nazarite vow and Mm -hmm. sort of that like he cannot, you know, cannot cut his hair, cannot drink wine or beer. What else is it? It can't be around dead things. Where Amanda, where Mm -hmm. is that? It's in number six. So the the reference to it is in Judges 13, but then we read about it and it's included in in that day's reading, the Nazarite vow from Numbers 6, which y'all will get to read as well. 
but it's interesting to kind of see this list of things almost as a table of contents for Samson's life. Mm-hmm. Like, well, here are the here's kind of what will actually end up happening <laughs> in Samson's life. Yeah, and you know, again, here we are back with John the Baptist because he very much lived this Nazarite life, right? Yeah. So you've got this connection. Is that between, is that like discussed in scripture, or are we just kind of like are we connecting that? No, I think we're connecting it. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, but it's so similar to the life that he led. This very ascetic sort of radically self-disciplined life. However, you've got John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, if you will, who lives and really calls out sexual immorality. That's what Mm. he's calling out. Whereas on the other hand, you've got Mm -hmm. Samson, who doesn't drink, doesn't cut his hair, almost worships his hair, which is weird, does that, but gives himself fully to sexual immorality. And plus, he breaks his vow because he's hungry. So here's a guy who's really driven by his desires. And okay, so maybe he doesn't drink beer, but he's very driven by his desires. Mm -hmm. For some reason, the connection was never made in his heart that that Nazarite vow didn't make him holy, that he needed an inward holiness. Mm. I think it's easy for us to say, okay, I don't, gosh, I'm so old, I'm, you're going to see how old I am. We used to say, oh, I don't drink or chew or run with girls that do. I mean, that, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just so awful. Um, but, you know, we want to say that if we have this outward holiness, if you will, this outward refusal to do certain things that somehow that means that our heart is changed. That Mm -hmm. outward stuff is great if it flows out of a heart that says, I want to be consecrated to God, body, and soul. But otherwise, all that outward stuff, all that serves to do is make you proud and make you very, very foolish about the lust that still resides in all our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, the people of of God, right? In a nutshell, this is Samson. Samson was set apart. Israel was set apart to be holy, to be gods. And Samson was set apart to be Mm -hmm. holy, to be gods. And the problem, the biggest problem, their behaviors are also a problem. (laughs) But the biggest problem is their hearts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you're right, Elise. I think we see that with him too. I like thinking about that. It's like Gomer. Like when we think about Gomer as like an archetype of Israel, Mm -hmm. I think you could see Samson as an archetype of Israel. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even to the point in chapter 14, when we get the whole chapter about his riddle, which is, you'll read it. It's hard because so there's not like a clear like, oh, now I understand. Oh, I don't. I fully <laughs> don't understand. But I can see, even not really understanding the riddle, like I can I can like back up a little bit and see what's happening here. Right. You know? I can understand the riddle itself is not difficult, but the like the story of like, what is happening? And like, here's a place where like the Lord's power, like the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and... Here's a part where he just starts eating honey out of a lion carcass, which for sure is against the Nazarite vow, and he's not supposed yeah. to come around dead things. Yeah. But yeah. he's kind of proud of it. 
I don't get it. Well, and but even to the point, what I was going to point out is that he, the woman, you know, it's like his first order of business is to take a wife, and it's like okay, but he chooses he chooses a Philistine woman, and it says twice. He says he tells her, "Listen, y'all, the way that they talk about women, I'm just, I apologize (laughs) on his behalf. It's awful." He's like, get her for me. She's the right one for me. So Samson has determined that she's right for him. And then later again, he went and spoke to the woman because she seemed right to Samson, to him. And it's like, I mean, what does that sound like? Everyone was doing what seemed right in their own eyes Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. including Samson. He did what his eyes... was raised up to be a judge in Israel. Yep. If his eyes wanted to do it, that's what he did. Yeah. Hey friends, quick ad break to tell you about a new dog food brand our family has discovered called Sundays for Dogs. I'll get to all the details of why Sundays is such a great product to know about, but first, I have to tell you what happened in the Myers home when our Vishla Honey gave it a try. It was 4th of July weekend, and the firework sounds made her a ball of nerves for days. She's already a super lean animal, so three days of an emotional hunger strike from her regular dog food had her looking super skinny. Anyway, it was the perfect day for our first delivery of Sundays for Dogs. I opened the bag and she was immediately interested. Like I think she thought it was a bag of treats. She could hardly wait for me to set the bowl down before she was inhaling their 90% meat, 10% vegetable, 0% synthetic mix. Her hunger strike didn't stand a chance against this stuff. And that was the first reason that I knew I wanted to tell y'all about it. Besides the fact that Honey clearly loved the USDA beef and the all-natural chicken, she was also getting digestive benefits from pumpkin, ginger, and disease-fighting antioxidants. We've loved continuing to feed Honey Sundays for dogs because, first of all, her enthusiasm for mealtime has not dimmed. But also, long-term enjoyment benefits include softer fur, fresher breath, better poops, and more energy, which she doesn't really need a lot of help in that department, but we'll take it. Listen, you know how much we love to talk about simplifying your life with subscriptions around here. So along with your SRT monthly study book delivery, consider adding Sundays for Dogs to your list of subscriptions. Now I've got details for how you can get 35% off your first order of Sundays. Go to sundaysfordogs.com truth or use code truth at checkout. That's S-U-N-D-A-Y-S-F-O-R-D-O-G-S.com forward slash truth. Upgrade your pup to Sundays and feel good about the food you feed your dog. We don't always get an angel announcing <laughs> our birth to yeah. um, no? And, no. to our moms or our dads. But Samson not only has that, but he has like from the angel of the Lord, like a stated life mission. Yeah. Like it says, like back in Judges 13, verse 5, the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth, and he will, and here's his life mission maybe, begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. I have to imagine that that was not only recorded here for the book of Judges, but was communicated to him. Mm-hmm. You will begin to save Israel mm-hmm. from the power of mm-hmm. the Philistines, and yet, and yet. even Manoah, like— helps his son get a Philistine wife yeah. and like and he's hanging around and like with the Philistines and having riddles and bets with them and that kind of a thing and it just feels like he is so far already from what God has specifically called him to. Yeah. And yet the Lord does work through him. Mm-hmm. Like the Lord we, remains faithful. Right, because we see even at the end of 14. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the end of 14, he's kind of starting to, I mean, the Philistines are starting to get 
that judgment, that, you know, come back down on them, not in the way that Samson was capable of, because clearly he's a strong man, Mm -hmm. but he's not, doesn't seem to be using that for what the Lord had him to. But yeah, but even so, the Lord is working through him Mm -hmm. and continues to. Isn't that interesting, what you just said? Samson was a strong man. He was a very manly guy, right? He was the manly man. Mm. And and yet, he's so weak. He's incredibly weak in his devotion to God. You know, it's astonishing. And I want to say this as a word of encouragement to parents, to moms, dads who thought that they had raised their children right, and now their children are sleeping in the laps of Delilah. You can tell your child you were born to serve God, and yet God may have a completely different plan for your child, and it's not on you. And that, too, I think is comforting. It's encouraging that, like when you look at the mom of John Newton or Augustine's mom, Monica, these are moms that raise their sons to love God, and yet they were just so out of control. And yet, God used them. Of course, God uses Augustine. If you want to talk about people whose lives were really terrible till they got saved, that's Augustine. That's John Newton. They had moms who loved Christ and talked to them about Christ, and yet... They live these horrible, debauched lives, and yet God saves and uses them. Mm. So God Thanks uses. God. <laughs> that should be an encouragement to yeah. a particularly, you know, my heart is to moms mm-hmm. who feel like they poured their whole life into their kids, and then their kids have gone off the rails. And you wonder, what did I mm-hmm. do? What did I do? Okay, just this is life in a sin-cursed world. You don't know what God will do. Story's not over yet. Yeah, That's right. And we're not writing it as parents. We don't write our children's story. I mean, we clearly have influence and can do our best, but it's ultimately not our story to write. And it's, yeah, yeah, which is hard and also freeing. Yes. Freeing and also freeing. hard. Because <laughs> like, yeah. I want to be in control. Uh, no, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, Samson, y'all, it's a roller coaster. So just buckle Mm -hmm. up. Samson's story. There's one page where I literally wrote, What is happening? Yeah. On the page. Yeah. I wrote, Whoa, with a period. Whoa. Yeah. 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 And again, the Lord worked through him to execute judgment on the Philistines. And even as Samson is like, you know, there's one point where he kills a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey, you know, mm-hmm. no big deal there. But he's still, he's like, I did this. Yeah, yeah. I have killed them. I yeah. have done this. Yeah. And it's so much like Israel. It's like, oh, like we have gotten the victory. But then it's like, as soon as they find themselves in need, but Lord, yep. help us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's us, you yes. know, it's us. Yeah. It's like when we feel self 
reliant. Like I'm, I yeah. can do, I can do this myself. Yeah, confident. like a ta- you know, like kids. You know, when kids go through, the, yes, when we're confident, and kids go through that phase where they're like, no, I do it, I do yes. it, I can do it. Yeah. yeah, and it's like we see that as adults, we're like, no, I've got this, but then, oh wait, no, I don't. Lord help me. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, mm. yeah. It's he's tough. um again, you know, he's got strength. He's got outward devotion. But somehow there was never a connection. I think until maybe even until the end, there was never really a connection in his heart between the Nazarite vow, between being a Nazarite was supposed to mean to him and a heart that was wholly Mm. devoted to Christ, to God. And the connection was not made. And yet, here we go. And yet, God uses him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we move on to the rest of Samson's story and sort of like the moment where he does, in fact, fulfill God's purpose for him in this way, I can't help but really be gripped this week by the going deeper passages, those like additional curated mm-hmm. scriptures. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm just really thankful, like even on day 18, for that Hebrews passage because. Mm-hmm. Sometimes these curated passages are included to go like, and don't forget that like there is hope and we need those passages mm-hmm. in there. But what I see in this Hebrews 10 passage is a like a doubling down of the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is as tragic then as it is now. And so that Hebrews 10, starting in verse 26. It's this warning against deliberate sin. And I'll read a bit of it. It says, For if we deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. Anyone who disregarded the law of Moses died without mercy. Based on the testimony of two or three witnesses, how much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God, who has who has regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and who has insulted the spirit of grace. And it goes on, and I love also that it concludes with verse 39, but we are not those who draw back and are destroyed. We are those who have faith and we are saved. Mm -hmm. There is like, it's a true like wages of sin is death and that's dead serious. And let's not be those people. The gift yeah. of God is the eternal gift life. of God yeah. is eternal and life. It is a gift; it is not earned. I even hear as we're reading about Samson, like the gospel is being preached on this page without yes. looking away, without winking at sin, and it's just going, "No, this is indeed dead serious." You know, in that passage in that you were just reading in Hebrews ten, verse thirty-one says, "It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living mm. God." Listen. Mm. That is true, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus fell into the hands of the living Mm -hmm. God on the cross for us so that it can be said about us, we're not those people who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. So yes, it's a warning, but the warning And it's absolutely true and serious. I'll just tell you, you know, we had a death in the family recently. And I was sitting with the body. 
And you know our family. Our family's kind of crazy and we laugh a lot and, you, mm-hmm. you know, we're sort of nuts. But I'm sitting with the body and I looked at my daughter, Jessica, and one of my other sons, Joel, and I said, life is serious, guys. Mm-hmm. Life is serious and we need to live that way. But we don't want to live in fear, in slavish fear. We want to live with hearts that are in reverence and awe, that kind of fear. But as believers, we don't want to fear falling into the hands of a living God because we're going to fall into his hands cloaked in Christ. And so we are the ones then who have faith and are saved. Life is serious, and we must never say, oh, well, God used Samson so I can do whatever I want. No, actually, that's foolishness Mm. and will end up in great sorrow and pain. However, falling into the hands of the living God is only terrifying if you're not in Christ. Yeah, that's right. And what we see in Judges, mm-hmm. this tragedy of forgetting God, Yeah, in Jesus, we are presented with the opposite. We're presented with life and life abundant and brought back into relationship with God. And in His goodness, He doesn't let us forget, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's not our faithfulness, but His. There's a point this week where we read... And this might be a good way for us to to close, because even though Judges, every chapter and the whole book itself, it does not end on an up note, right? <laughs> but, but this is one book that is part of the full story of redemption. So it's back on Wednesday, we read from Isaiah 11, and like you, Rachel, the supplemental passages Especially when you're reading chapters like this and in Judges, they just feel like, okay, they help you breathe through it a little bit, right? But listen to this. Listen to who Jesus Mm -hmm. is. This is Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears, but he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He will strike the land with a scepter from his mouth, and he will kill the wicked with a command from his lips. Righteousness will be a belt around his hips. Faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. The true and better judge. Yes. Je- that's yes. what I wrote. Yeah. Jesus is so much better. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, here we are with this spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and strength, all these things that, you know, Outwardly, maybe it looks like Samson's smart. You know, he can mm-hmm. he can make up a riddle. He's a smart guy. <laughs> but, you know, he doesn't have wisdom. Yes, he's physically strong, but mm-hmm. he's proud. 
and arrogant and demanding and self-indulgent to the max. So, you know, the difference between this person, our Savior, from Isaiah 11 and the description of Samson and the whole point, and to me, I just can't, so much of what we hear when we think about the people in the Old Testament, let's say, is they're the heroes, let's be like them. Now, obviously, (laughs) pretty much in Judges, you don't see that. There's a hero here and there, but not really. But, you know, the point of Abraham's life, the point of Samson's life, the point of Daniel's life is not be like them. The point of their life is they're not the Savior. We need a Savior. That's the point. That's right. Yeah. That's That's right. It's interesting, Elise, Amanda and I were talking this morning just about this week, and I kind of had a moment where I looked up at her and I was like, okay, so wait, Samson was a judge. At what point in his life did he do any like actual like (laughs) executing of justice? Like he, scripture says that he was a judge of Israel for 20 years, and his story had nothing to do with pursuing or upholding justice. And so I love, Amanda, that you had us read from Isaiah like about the true, the better, the best, the judge, mm-hmm. the word of God. Yeah. And so then, you know, at the end of his life where he's blind, which he has been really his whole life, he lived his whole mm-hmm. life by looking at things and desiring them. So now he's mm-hmm. physically what he has been spiritually his whole life. He's blind and he's enslaved. He's not the big man on campus anymore. He needs a little boy to tell him where the pillars of the temple are because the people have come there to make fun of him. And who knows in what ways they were doing that, I'm sure was quite awful. But in his death, he executes judgment. That's his moment to be a judge. Yes. In his death, he executes judgment on God's enemies. In Christ's death, he takes God's judgment upon himself mm. for the Lord's sons and daughters. Samson, oh my goodness, <laughs> he had a call on his life. And you know what? At the end, he fulfilled it, but not because he was a good guy. He fulfills God's call yeah. in his life because God sovereignly calls people to do his will. Yeah. And can use even somebody like Samson. It's such a sobering story. And that's the reality of like when we see Hebrews 11 at the end of this week and we see Samson's name mentioned in it. What? And we're just going like, really? Are you sure? Like, is it a different Samson? Setting the bar really low there. Um, But like, but let us not for a minute believe that any one of those people in Hebrews 11 would be the first to say it. Any one of those people is in there because of their own faithfulness. Right. (laughs) It is the faithfulness of Jesus Christ that is the reason for any name to be listed and Mm -hmm. anyone of ours. Like, I think that, like, I actually, I need Samson's name to be in there because it reminds me that none of those names are in there, but by the grace of God. Right. It's not their qualifications. No. That's right. I mean, it's the hall of faith, right? And their faith was in the Lord. It's the Lord who qualifies. Right. Right. Man, Elise, thank you so much for joining well, us you. this week. This was I like you. I like I, yeah. I want to have you come back for one that's I, not quite I, as uh, judgy. Judgy. I <laughs> love to. And you know, again, I just want to say publicly, I'm so proud of you guys. 
I know it's the Lord's work and whatever, but I'm so proud of what you're doing <laughs> and the way the Lord is using you. And you're faithfully walking into what he's called you to do, which is not an easy thing. I'm so thankful for you. And if I can be of assistance to you again or in any way, let me know. That is so kind. That is so sweet. Thank and I believe you. you. And thank you for that, Elise. Friends listening, come back next week for week four of the Book of Judges. We have a great guest coming, Tony Calabrese. I'm going to maybe pronounce that correctly. We'll find out next week. Come back next week to find (laughs) out how to pronounce that. But until next week, Elise, dear friend, what do we tell our listeners? Keep opening your Bible. 